Hey, welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Camp. And uh, we are going to go back in time and go forward in time at the same time today, aren't we? Well, you, you can convince me of that, but how? How? Tell me how we're going to do that. Well, the first way we're going back in time and forward in time is with my Better Know framework. Oh, okay. So let's roll the music. All right, man, what do you got? Okay, Richard, do you remember Shrinkster.com? I do. I think we used that for .NET Rocks for a while. Yeah, we used it for .NET Rocks, and we used it for Mondays. Right, back in the day. And then it got attacked, didn't it? Like, just Well, let's talk about what it is. It, it, was, a, it was sort of like a Bitly or Tiny, Tiny URL, URL before that, um, but it was really one of the first link shrinkers mm-hmm. that we had heard of. And uh, we were using it, you know, to to link to sites. It's great because you just say shrinkster.com slash and then like three characters or whatever. And you could read it on the radio and people could actually type it in and go there. Well, um, you know, I mentioned before that we are resurrecting Mondays, which apparently was news to Karen. I guess I didn't tell her. News to everybody, apparently. But, but, um, you know, to be fair, I had talked about resurrecting Mondays before and everybody was on board with it so anyway mm-hmm. it just got around to it late but um i used to own shrinkster.com the person who ran it gave it to me to run right. and then it got hacked and it was bad so we basically shut it down i lost most of the links unfortunate yeah it was very unfortunate um but i started a new version of it called shrinkster without an e S-H-R-I-N-K-S-T-R.com. And I found a lot of the links from Mondays. I'm only going to use this to support Mondays. Okay. But the thing is, if you go to mondays.pwop.com and listen to an episode, then you can, while you're listening at the bottom, if you find a, a, a link you know, not from Shrinkster or whatever, but, you know, we talk about something and you go find it on the internet, you can add it as a suggestion with, you know, the, the, the code that was said and the URL, and that will come to us. Many of those Mondays links were, you know, weird toys and stuff. A lot of which are gone anyway. That's true. And a lot, and a lot of them were also technology of the day, which is irrelevant, right? So if they link works at all, which it probably doesn't, probably doesn't. So if you find one, go there and definitely let us know. Okay. Yeah. But, um, I'm not allowing the general public to add links just to keep life simpler. Yeah. But we can use it going forward for Mondays. Okay. So there you go. That's my better know framework. And see how I, I linked to the past and we jumped mm-hmm. ahead to the future. Yeah, I guess that's true. We are oh, yeah. generally speaking talking about the future when we talk about this show. Yes, generally speaking. But in this case, we're going to talk about the past As and well. then the phoenix rising from the ashes with open silver. So very uh, excited about that. But first, who's talking to us, Richard? Gravity Common Talk Show 1698, the one we did with Giovanni back in July of 2020, right in the midst of the pandemic, uh, talking about Open Silver in the earlier days. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they this open source uh, library that can run your Silverlight code, and uh, folks got very excited about it. Yeah, and I uh, got a comment here from uh, Richard Rukima, who's been re- listening to the show for many, many years. Wrote lots of comments, actually, I'm sure, and. Uh, 
the, I thought this comment was super relevant and it was responded to by someone else. Uh, Richard says, uh, I continue to advocate to the business that a browser-based HTML and, and CSS is simply a bastardized framework in the hopes of making it work as a graphical UI. I often have to simply change browsers to make the application work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for line of business apps, the platform is simply too brittle. Although if it's a line of business app, mandate a browser. How can you make a stable application when the foundation beneath it, the browser, is constantly being updated and it can't be controlled by the application team? And the same goes for JavaScript frameworks hmm. and all the updates they do as well. I mean, they're mostly doing that stuff in the name of security, but what are you going to do? Right. Uh, for horizontal applications, I get that the investment is necessary for the largest reach, but far too many companies and the development teams are developing to HTML development without regard to the effort and stability required by line of business applications. And I get that Silverlight and the Bowser plugin was a security issue, but for enterprise development and the applications they use for uh, line of business, why does it matter? Perhaps mm. OpenSilver is a good step to modernize the application. But if it's a large app, I wonder if it's really worth it. Why don't mm. I simply move to WPF? The installation of flat clients is a known problem. It's been solved in a number of ways. Mm. Yeah, although one would argue not satisfactorily. Right. Shimming in a translation layer between XAML and HTML in order to have it render is a worry. This might not be a good comparison, but how does a browser handle video images via controls that are not rendering HTML? I wish effort was made to put, let me say it again. I wish effort had been made to put in similar effort to render XAML and be done with the magic of making the DOM work with a graphical, graphical interface suited for line of business applications. Uh, and at that time, uh, a fellow by the name of Alex responded and said, hey, we feel your pain, but in exactly the same predicament. Uh, we have a large line of business application written in Silverlight, and it works very well. Uh, and we're, But we're afraid about Silverlight dying and IE11 also taking it out as well. Mm -hmm. And we're not happy with HTML either. So we started a migration to WPF. It has been a very painful process. We had planned this to take four to six months with a team of three people. We are two years in and nowhere near finishing. The basis great statement of it's very challenging when you have two versions of XAML that are very similar and so close, but not the same. So, you know, just going through and figuring out all these little bits of differences through the whole thing through. But we did do a quick pilot based on OpenSilver. It wasn't ready. Now, granted, this was a year ago at the time, but we're continuing to watch closely. Uh, and Richard, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code by is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code by, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks because we publish every show there. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. And send us a tweet. Uh, please don't shrink it first, though. Uh, we want to read the whole thing. Yeah. But all we have to do is click on it. But it's all—it's—it's it's already only 250 Dude, characters. Dude, I'm stretching for a joke here. <laughs> You're digging. You're digging deep. <laughs> digging, digging deep. Digging deep. Or <laughs> in the shallow end, actually. Digging deep in the shallow end. Right. A, that's the name of a band. <laughs> <laughs> or an album. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Uh, by the swimming pools. Anyway, um, let's bring back onto the show Giovanni Albani. He's a software engineer and entrepreneur based in Paris, France. He's the founder and CEO of Userware and ISV specialized in Microsoft technologies. Giovanni's passion for building developer tools started as a teenager when he created Adventure Maker, 
a game engine used by more than 300,000 developers. Uh, Giovanni founded UserWare after leaving Microsoft in 2007 and has continued to release top-selling .NET apps and tools, including XLS Editor, the number one ranked productivity app in the Windows Store for over a year. Giovanni's current focus is OpenSilver, an open source replacement for Silverlight that Richard was alluding to. Giovanni holds a dual master's degree in computer science from Georgia Tech and Supelec, which I'm not sure what that is. How did I, did I pronounce that badly? <laughs> no, that's, that's correct. Supelec. <laughs> he can be reached at Giovanni at opensilver.net. Um, where's Supelec? Yeah. Hi. Hello. Thanks a lot for having me in the show. Uh, it's yeah. really a privilege for me. And, uh, again, I'm very uh, impressed by, uh, you having been able to consistently deliver such amazing shows for so many years. Uh, uh, we just talk into microphones. <laughs> That's all we do. <laughs> but thank you. So, um, yeah, Superlec is, uh, is in, uh, in France and, uh, our company is based in Paris, though we're mm -hmm. growing, uh, and, uh, hiring also in, in other places throughout the world. And, uh, also with the pandemic, we also hiring freelancers around mm. the world. So if, uh, some people are listening and would be interested in joining the effort to work on OpenSilver, please uh, get in touch with us. We'd be very happy to have you on board. Sure. <laughs> so when we talked to you last, you were just sort of embarking on OpenSilver, right? I mean, you had, it was early, a lot earlier in the process. Yeah, uh, I think we talked in July of last year or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we launched uh, OpenSilver just a few months before. However, we started working on the technology in, in 2014 with uh, CS HTML5, which actually converted C Sharp and XAML to mm. JavaScript and HTML. And then uh, Microsoft, uh, with the Mono for WebAssembly team, released uh, this compiler from C Sharp to WebAssembly. And so we yeah. replaced the low level that compiled to JavaScript with the one that compiled to WebAssembly. So we were able to reuse most of the code that we wrote, the XAML stack, and and we rebranded the product because we figured out that a lot of people were interested in migrating from Civilite. And back then mm. we thought uh, it would just be nice to create apps with .NET, C Sharp, and XAML. But then we, so many people contacted us to migrate from Civilite that we rebranded it into OpenSilver. And uh, yeah, that's why. How and a lot of things have happened since 2014, haven't they? I mean, with Blazor and WebAssembly and all this stuff, which, uh, you know, has... Uh, ha has the um, adoption of WebAssembly changed your tack or your approach in any way? Yeah, we had been following the technology for many years. And in uh, 2017, I think all major browsers started supporting WebAssembly. Right. Yeah. And so um, for a few years after that, WebAssembly was mainly used uh, from um, C, from the C language, C++. Mm -hmm. And then Microsoft released this incredible compiler from C Sharp. So mm -hmm. we saw that opportunity. Now, was that the, the implementation of MonoWASM that Miguel Diacaza did largely for Blazor, right? Like the original version of Blazor had this very odd version of C Sharp that was a, a separate open source implementation. Yeah. But there was this great switch over to, to Mono. Yeah. Yeah. The guy at the Mono team are uh, incredible. I mean, uh, they have created that um, for Blazor originally. And uh, who knows, maybe one day it will also be used by Maui if someday Maui also supports the web. Uh, who knows? But uh, anyway, this, uh, th the effort they have done is, uh, is really incredible. Mm -hmm. So how are you um, implementing OpenSilver in WebAssembly? 
Sure. So we are taking the, um, the stack from Microsoft, which compiles C sharp into WebAssembly. Okay. And, uh, uh, with it, we have support for .NET standard, which means that um, as a Blazor app, client-side Blazor WebAssembly app, we can reference any assembly that is uh, .NET standard compatible, and it will sure. work right away in the browser. And on top of that, we have built the XAML stack for the UI. Uh, and so basically, we have focused on the low-level controls, the text block, for example, we create a div, uh, the media element, we create a video tag and, uh, um, and such low level controls. Um, for example, the web browser control in Civilite, which allowed to display a, a page in the Civilite app. Well, it creates simply an iframe. So it's very simple implementation. So yeah. once we had these low level controls, then on top of that, we have reused the WPF source code, which is now open source. And before it was open source, we had our own implementation for the dependency objects, dependency properties, and so on. Mm. And and then we can leverage all the code that is built on top of that. For example, the yeah. Civilite toolkit and all the controls that are built using other controls via control templates and everything else. So we're actually aggregating a lot of material that is open source to have, uh, again, something that is also open source. So do you think more work went into the, or is going into the XAML side of it than the, um, you know, the, the code side of it? Um, so uh, what we do is uh, we have uh, uh, this compiler, which uh, from the XAML generates C-sharp, and then um, the generated C-sharp is the exact same C-sharp as you get, uh, as, as you would be using to, to have the same result of XAML, like you create sure. new objects and so on. And then we have the implementation of the, the objects themselves. So two main components, the compiler on one side, which removes XAML and makes it C-sharp. Yeah. And then this goes into the mono for WebAssembly stack to get to WebAssembly. And on right. the other side, we have the runtime, which is the implementation of the button, text block, and everything else. And this, we do some interrupts with JavaScript to manipulate the DOM and create the elements. Yeah, okay. So so Silverlight developers who really don't like JavaScript are, are in for a little bit of JavaScript, aren't they? No, 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 absolutely oh, not. Oh, they don't? They don't no, touch no, no, it? No, no, I was referring to the very low-level controls oh, for okay. the internal implementation for the people wondering how, how this Got thing it. works. Yeah, but from an external point of view, we uh, aim at replicating 100% of the Civilite 5 API. And so everything built. And how far have you gotten? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, right now we are we are in a stage where uh, most applications can be migrated. Um, for last year, when we discussed, uh, we were really in a preview stage, and um, we have been contacted by so many people to migrate their apps. Like we have a feature on the website when people can upload their XAP, which is the Civilite executable, to quickly receive a quote. And we got 170 people who uploaded the XAP. Wow. Uh, yeah, and more than 300 people have contacted us by email. So there was a um, tremendous request, but uh, many of them we actually declined because we didn't have support back then for, well, or it would have taken too long actually to, to migrate. And right. basically we are implementing things in this open source framework on a request basis with prioritizing of, on the migrations that, that we take. And so uh, right now we are in a stage where uh, basically everything, uh, all the apps that are Civilite based, C-sharp based, so not VBNet for now, and though we're now moving progressively also on VBNet, but for now, okay. C-sharp based without light switch, which is also another component. Mm. Most of them, we say, uh, yes, we can migrate them and, uh, or we can help the people to migrate them. And we, we can do uh, either support for a team at the client side, or we can do the migration from A to Z. And, um, when you say most of them, so what, what are the things in Silverlight that are the most challenging to migrate? 
Well, um, last year, for example, last time we talked, we didn't have support for uh, RIA services. Oh, and, RIA uh, services, yeah. Yeah, a lot of apps are, are using them. So now we have uh, full support for it. Actually, WCF RIA services was renamed Microsoft into Open RIA services. Then we adapted the client side of it, recompiled it with OpenSilver. The server side of it, it's not changed at all. And, uh, and so the apps now they're using RIA services work, work very well. Similarly, we now have support for a lot of third party non graphical libraries. Uh, like uh, Prism, Math, Unity, OData. Um, and um, we have on the OpenSilver.net website a documentation where people can um, find all those libraries and what packages should be referenced. So some of those packages, we have actually simply taken the source code and recompiled it with OpenSilver and uh, then made it available as open source with the link on the documentation. And some others, they are directly the original .NET standard packages, like MEF, for example. Mm -hmm. You can reference the system.componentmodel.composition package, and it will work right away. So because we have .NET standard support, any package, like you need the data contract JSON serializer, you just reference the system runtime serialization JSON package, or reflection emit package, and, and stuff like this. So this... Uh, now is all very well supported. And for the things that uh, still require some work, we have uh, the graphical libraries. So that could be, for example, Telerik, DevExpress, Component 1, Infragistics, mm -hmm. and so on. Mm -hmm. All the component suites. Yeah, and most of the large applications are using those, and most of them actually are using Telerik. And so we now have made very, very big progress. One year ago, many of them, we simply said, no, it can be done. Or the approach one year ago was to take some JavaScript-based libraries because OpenSilver renders the UI in HTML, and so it's very easy to um, to include some JavaScript-based libraries and wrap them into C# XAML. But mm -hmm. then the developer would need to write some JavaScript, uh, and that's something we don't want, right? Right. But that was uh, because we didn't have a hundred percent support of Silverlight yet. Okay. But now that we're getting close to that. Uh, we, the approach has changed. So instead of wrapping, for example, Kendo UI, which is the JavaScript-based library by Telerik, to replicate the Telerik functionality, the approach has changed. We are now taking the Telerik source code itself, so Telerik UI for Civilite, and when you have a license for it, you also have the source code for it, mm -hmm. and we are simply rebuilding it with OpenSilver. But because it's such a huge library, yeah, uh, and also it's using so many low-level APIs of Civilite, and those APIs are those that we have implemented last. Some controls work great, like the grid view, the rad grid view works great because we have been uh, focusing on it and also some other controls. But other controls still do not work because they rely on some very rare Civilite APIs which we have not implemented yet and which we're going to implement in the soon. Well, and once you think, well, I'm not going to need to implement this, like who uses this? And then you hit it, and it's, of course, the control vendors, of course. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, for me, the biggest whammy of this is because Silverlight development essentially stopped in 2011, although there's been patches up since then, it's C-sharp 6. Like, that's an old version of C-sharp now. No. I, you know, I would think folks that are maintaining the app kind of want the new version of C-sharp. Do you run into any issues around that? No, it's uh, actually part of our vision. Because 
um, wh why are we doing this? Of course, we want to save uh, all the millions of lines of code written, and it's really terrible for people who have spent like ten years and millions of dollars uh, mm -hmm. on a on a code to throw it to the to the bin. So that's of course uh, one of our missions. But our mission is also to uh, revive uh, and recreate, uh, bring back actually the excitement that was around Civilite, which yeah. was amazing back then, like the promise of running .NET in the browser. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. It was it was incredible, and so uh, we want to uh, revive it. We want to uh, modernize it, and this is how it's related to your questions. Because what we want to do is we want it to be 100% backward compatible, or I should mm -hmm. say, mostly because we are running inside the browser sandbox, which mm -hmm. of course brings improved security because the plugins had the security issues, but mm -hmm. also brings a few limitations, like in the edge, like um, the open file dialog is necessarily asynchronous, whereas in Civilite it could be synchronous. So you'd, you'd have those very small limitations, but yeah, but basically uh, we want, we can be uh, backward compatible, but we also want to uh, modernize it. And we, this means that instead of being stuck with C Sharp 6, which you can still use, right? Mm -hmm. uh, now with OpenSilver, you can use C Sharp 10 or sure. the very latest version, and you will be able to use all the new versions that come up with the newest uh, Visual Studios. You can upgrade your version of Visual Studio. So you can now use uh, 2019 or 2022. And uh, you have support for the .NET standard. So instead of the portable class libraries that you had back then. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, and this uh, it's great also to share code between the client and the, and the server. Uh, so it's you can almost also like where Silverlight yeah. would be if it hadn't gone away this is stop. how we'd be developing with silverlight now yes um yes exactly and also not only that but uh you can leverage .NET 5 .NET 6 now and also mm. reach more platforms because the original promise was you can deploy on all platforms right many people use civilite also because it was easy to deploy right. like uh, apart from installing the plugin then it was simply a matter of giving a url and it would work you can also run mm. out of browser you can run on windows mac Unfortunately, it was actually limited to Windows, Mac, and uh, there was some effort also for Linux, but uh, it never went into iOS Moonlight. and so on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Moonlight. By Moonlight the, only got so far. By the amazing people also, of yes. course, by the yeah. mono team. The, I mean, those people are <laughs> incredible. Um, so um, very, very smart people. So uh, the what we want to do is uh, continue on this legacy and reach even more platforms, right? Mm -hmm. And because we are browser-first, which means that when you compile an open civil application, you generate uh, browser compatible files, bunch of static files. Mm. So HTML, WebAssembly, a little bit of JavaScript. So, uh, and a little bit of CSS. So those files will run everywhere. You can just put them on a server, a static mm. file server, and it will, it will work. So that's for deployment, by the way. But uh, going back to the platforms, it also means that you can reach any platform that supports a modern browser. And so mm. we can reach now Linux, of course, iOS, Android, Chrome OS. And in, if in the future there is a new platform that comes out, it will most likely be supported. And also it's not much prone to being broken. Because uh, those are web standards, so unlike uh, native applications, yep. with, which may get broken if right. Apple decides so or something else, uh, those standards will likely continue to work. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's got a WASM-capable browser, you're good to go. You guys don't have to write any code to support a new platform. Exactly. How do do you have customers that are using uh, OpenSilver for greenfield applications? Like they're finding they don't want to go to Blazor for whatever reason, and they like XAML. 
Yes, absolutely. So I um, took some start stats from from this morning. So the people who download Open Silver, they can download it from multiple places, like the Visual Studio Gallery and so on. But we also have a possibility to uh, log in and register using a Microsoft account, which is a verified account. And so we have some stats from there from verified people. And uh, the, as of this morning, we had eight hundred and forty-eight registered Microsoft accounts that have specified that they are creating a new app with OpenSilver. Wow. Wow, that's cool. That is but, and definitely I, saying I sort of something because I thought of OpenSilver at first, I got to be honest, as you know, a stopgap um, for people who have invested a lot of money in s- these Silverlight applications and now just want them to work again. But uh, what you're saying is, no, this is a a viable um, modern software platform going forward. Yes, definitely. We do have, uh, of course, the majority of the people coming from uh, legacy applications. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to compare with that same number of the registered Microsoft accounts, uh, we saw 1,542 people who said they are using OpenSilver to migrate a Silverlight application. Mm-hmm. Uh, so two-thirds. About. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, of course, those people initially, they, uh, they want to save the many years of work. It's about half, a little more than half. Um, you're, you're not wrong. Uh, actually, we also have people who said they are migrating from WPF, uh, a few also from uh, UWP. Uh, so actually <laughs> we have, okay. yeah, but basically 800 uh, creating new apps, uh, 1,500 migrating apps. Yeah, you're right. Two thirds. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I think the migrate. I think what brings you here is you've got the migration problem, right? But then we we kind of forget. Ten years ago, you know, ten years ago in a few months, like April of 2010, when Studio 2010 came out, and Silverlight was the center of the universe. Like this was our line of business solution, and we were so productive with it. Like folks were really having a good time. Look at how many control suites were built. Like the same explosion we've had around Blazor lately with this ecosystem expanding the ecosystem around silverlight was in the same place it just it instantly blew up right and then of course thoughts on flash come out and uh Mm -hmm. just it occurs to me like here we are recording at the end of november in 2021 in by november of 2020 2011 you know the the um bob muglia incident had happened because at pdc in in october of 20 uh, of 2010 or 2011 and uh and yeah, they, that this was when we were finding out ten years ago, you know, that the Silverlight was dead. Yeah, and Silverlight, as you said, was uh, the center of the world <laughs> ten years mm-hmm. ago, and many people uh, in the community created components, created open source libraries yes. and tutorials, and so on. And we want actually to leverage all of this because right. OpenSilver wants to be uh, not a conversion tool because some people mistakenly think it's a conversion tool, like it generates uh, Blazor files and then you maintain those files or something. Mm. No, no, it, it's not that. It's really uh, intended as a replacement for Silverlight, like kind of a continuation. Right. If, if it could be Silverlight six. For example, but of course it, it's uh, something different. But it's a it's a new runtime, Giovanni. Right. Yeah. Take your code. You live in a new runtime that is growing and being maintained. And, and gentlemen, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Hey, Carl here. You know, there's something new from our friends at Text Control. TX Text Control supports the integration of legally binding electronic document signatures into your ASP.NET Core web applications. Simply use Microsoft Word documents, prepare them using the Text Control online editor, 
and requests signatures from signers. It works just like well-known e-sign services, but runs on-premises in your infrastructure without sending and storing documents somewhere else. To showcase typical workflows and the text control electronic signature technology, they published a fully functional demo that can be used to create and request signatures, sign documents, and to validate executed PDF files. See the demo at esign.textcontrol.com. That's esign.textcontrol.com. Do you spend too much effort on handling content in your project? Stop focusing on boring tasks and get back to code. Content by Kentico is a cloud-based headless CMS that comes with fast, world-class API. You can consume it in your .NET and Blazor apps through the .NET Core Delivery SDK. When you're building your application, you can query for content using Fluent API, which makes it easy to filter and order content items and streamline the data you transfer through the wire. What makes content truly unique is the ease of doing business with. You can ask anything 24-7 directly in the app, get a dedicated customer success manager, or an expert consultant if you need an extra hand. Content by Kentico comes with 17 years of experience in content management, ISO, and SOC2 Type 2 certifications, and is ready to handle all content tasks for you, so you can do what you enjoy. Put on headphones and code. See more at content.ai slash developers. That's K-O-N-T-E-N-T dot A-I slash developers. And try it out. And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. Hey, yo. And we're talking to Giovanni from uh, OpenSilver about getting to V1. And uh, and clearly thousands of people are engaged in in maintaining their uh, their Silverlight software, the application commitments they've made uh, into OpenSilver. Yeah, and uh, what um, what I was saying is uh, that indeed the Silverlight was two components. There was the plugin for the end users, and then there was right. the SDK for the developers. And with OpenSilver, right. we um, OpenSilver is the continuation of Silverlight, but without the plugin. So the SDK part, the developer part, we want it to be as close as possible as the original right. Silverlight experience which was was very nice very integrated and um and the end user part is super simple actually it's non-existent there's no there's no plugin and so we want to leverage also the material that was created for Silverlight back then all the tutorials uh all the um, uh, components open source components and um and that's why also uh we uh, created uh, a copy of many of the projects that were on Codeplex. So I don't know if um, everyone is aware of this, but Codeplex, which was very popular before GitHub uh, became mm-hmm. popular, uh, hosted uh, thousands of Civilite projects, open source projects. And now Codeplex, unfortunately, has been discontinued. Uh, we made copy. Uh, we made copies of those open source projects, uh, which we are using for the applications that we're migrating. And also the plan is yeah. progressively to uh, put them on GitHub after replacing Civilite with OpenSilver so that people can uh, leverage all that effort. And Coplex is fully down now. I mean, it had been in, 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 in an archive mode for many years uh, as they moved everything over to GitHub. So you could at least go check Coplex for reference. Today, if you type in Coplex.com, you get Microsoft.com. Like It's gone. Right. They said it would be gone in July. It lasted a few months more, but now it's yeah. entirely gone. But now it's over. <laughs> and, and correspondingly, and Silverlight 5 is out of support as of last month. 
Definitely. So as for uh, Civilite, we also can help uh, people looking for stuff on, on Codeplex. So if, if you're looking for a library uh, that your app uses, uh, we can help you find it because, as I said, we, we made a copy of... You snapped the copies before things went away. Mm. So thank you for that. You preserve... I mean, is that or I dig through archive.org and goodness knows... That's no fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, we were really a fan of uh, Civilite back then, and uh, generally of the .NET, and uh, and so we uh, we want to uh, to revive the Civilite glory. We want to modernize it, as we have discussed with the latest version of C Sharp, .NET, Visual Studio, and so on. But then the plan is to make it even better, right? So uh, the vision is right now we're using uh, we're leveraging all those migration requests mm. um, to uh, to also serve to fund the development of the open open source technology so this is kind of our current business model and this mm-hmm. is great because we can uh, we can really have a very big team um, when uh, when people contact us for a migration we um, we uh, either provide support or we do the migration end to end so if we do the migration end to end we have uh, one or more developers on our site which are assigned right. to it they replicate the app on their environment they run it locally basically and then they start changing the civilite references to open silver they run again they see what doesn't work <laughs> and then right. they, they they implement the, so of course the compiler helps then because we get some warnings saying this method is not implemented and so um, basically we prioritize the implementation of the new features on the needs of the uh, of the apps being migrated and the application serve also serve as a criteria for success right after the developer has implemented the feature he runs the app again it now is identical to the original Silite app and and this is done and of course we also have our unit tests and so mm-hmm. on but um, so the plan is uh, then to have a, a bigger and bigger community of people using OpenSilver. So this means, mm-hmm. I mentioned there are more than uh, 1,500 people who have registered saying that they are migrating on their own. And so hopefully uh, a bunch of those apps will be in production and will be running on OpenSilver. We also have the apps that we are migrating on our side. We also have the new apps being created with OpenSilver. So hopefully at some point there will be uh, many, many uh, apps in production uh, using OpenSilver. And so with that in place, we can really build on top of it and we can go beyond what Civilite uh, could do, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and there are many ways we can go, go beyond. Uh, so I mentioned uh, modernization, uh, reaching more platforms. You can put your apps with Electron inside a shell and, and distribute it into the stores and so on. But but then we can go even further. Once we have reached 100% backward compatibility, we can create new stuff. And we can actually leverage the browser APIs, uh, which are great and which are also evolving. They are doing more and more more stuff. So, for example, let's say uh, you want to do um, some uh, 3D uh, transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, first of all, let's say you want to um, show um, a 3D uh, mesh into the app, so very easy. You just include 3.js, which is open source JavaScript library. You, you do the, you do that, right? But then, uh, we can also add additional feature, like in the browser, just a very small example, which I was thinking of last day. Uh, they've created this, uh, 3D API, which built into the, the browser, which, um, the keyword is preserve 3D. Like you take a div, you can rotate it in 3D, and mm-hmm. then, then you apply a 3D rotation to one of its parents. Mm. And what happens then is that not only the parent is rotated in 3D, but all the children are rotated in 3D. And the 3D rotations of the children are preserved as if it was a common 3D space. 
So it's a bit difficult to explain, but you, you cannot get this result with Civilite. Because if you do a 3D transform on an element and then you rotate the parent in 3D, uh, the children will be flat. Like it's first the children is rendered and it's mm. made flat. And then uh, the 3D, uh, the, the parent is rendered. Um, so this means that we could create a whole new kind of uh, UI experience and we have lots of ideas there. This is just one of the, of the things. The general goal here is uh, to um, stop the current trend of currently uh, uh, reinventing the wheel in some way where there are so many technologies that are released every few years. And, um, I mean, that we, there are improvements, of course, and they're also related to the technology stack, uh, changing. And of course, it's not Microsoft's fault that, uh, the plugin system, uh, went, uh, away. And so, uh, right. was abandoned, of course. So, um, h- however, from a, a developer's perspective, we are constantly introduced with new technologies. Um, so uh, initially there was WPF, then WPF, the subset of it became Civilite, uh, which was WPF slash E for everywhere. And then Civilite itself went out of the browser, kind of uh, allowing the creation of uh, Windows applications, then kind of stepped over the the WPF thing. And then uh, Civilite itself, the code went into the code of UWP after changing the namespaces and uh, renaming mouse events into pointer events and stuff like this. Then uh, UWP became WinUI. Uh, Now there is uh, Xamarin Forms, which becomes .NET MAUI. .NET MAUI now reaches the desktop, which uh, means it uh, runs on the steps on UWP as well. So... Mm. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I don't think the lineage is as clear as you think it is, Giovanni. Mm-hmm. Like there were actually competing implementations there. Yeah, uh, that's why they were different. They were built differently. Um, sure, sure, sure. I mean, uh, I'm really uh, uh, simplifying things and uh, yeah. saying things. Also I wish it was with- that elegant. <laughs> it really isn't. You know, it was a bunch of people trying to do the right thing in their own teams and running into each other every so often. Absolutely. And also, I should stress that OpenSilver would not be possible without the amazing work from the Microsoft team and mm-hmm. the compilation to WebAssembly. So I have deep, mm-hmm. deep respect for all the people and basically all the people in the, in the arena here. I think it's an exciting time for the dot .NET world. Um, but yeah, just the general idea is to, what we want with OpenSilver is take something that, which was great, um, Civilite, which actually worked well. And we know that it worked well because all those apps, especially enterprise apps, um, are using, um, are still using Civilite, all the people who are contacting us. And they're basically, um, just working fine for what they had to do, right? The application was working fine and the developers, uh, faced the dilemma of having to rewrite them, not really to make something better, but just because they have to. So what we want to do is really take something that worked fine and, uh, modernize it with the latest web technologies and developer tools, and then build something uh, even better. So the big gap in my mind in, in Silverlight, period, is thinking that they stopped development when they did, is mobile support. Yes. Running well in phones. Uh, rendering right. well on phones. Yeah. Right. And... Um, and that uh, participated to the to the end of the plugins, right? Because yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, it, yeah, uh, plugins in phones was never a good idea. <laughs> exactly. So um, Flash uh, also paid a very big cost because of the and uh, Java of, as well. Oh, no. Let's be clear: this is all Flash's fault. Yeah. If Flash hadn't sucked, it, it, it wouldn't have been killing the battery of the iPad, which, which is what would have made. Steve Jobs angry that ultimately led to thoughts on Flash. But it was also the security 
ramifications. Oh, no, but I think the security thing was an excuse. There were solutions. Yeah. Like the model wasn't great, but ultimately security was an excuse. But if you ever watched the original iPad running a flash app, yeah, burn the you battery could visibly down. see the battery drain. Yeah. Like it and there were workarounds. When they stopped using stopped allowing flash in Safari, you could get a third party browser loaded on on the iPad and still run flash. And it murdered the battery some more. Mm-hmm. So but if if flash it, it, you gotta imagine a world where flash didn't suck. Because mm-hmm. it, they also were ahead of the game in terms of like that could have been Silverlight before Silverlight too. They tried with ActionScript. It's just it was terrible. And Java too was one of those plugins. So uh, yeah. So what's your thought on uh, Silverlight versus the mobile? I mean, you mentioned the mobile. What, what? Well, and therein lies the real question, which is well, how do we, if we're talking about mo- you know, what's happened in the past ten years for enterprise line of business apps? they're now expected to run on different form factors, right? And Silverlight lived in an era before that, really. The phone was just emerging as a force Mm -hmm. by 2010. True, true. So Silverlight back then was uh, not adapted to the to the mobile. Not only yeah. it didn't work uh, in practice, but also theoretically uh, there was this mouse events or instead of pointer events. So if you had multi-touch, for example, and not, it was not perfectly uh, meant yeah, for it. Yeah, it wasn't built for that. Yeah, it wasn't built. For that. However, uh, when uh, we got the Windows Phone, the first versions of the Windows Phone applications were developed using Civilite for Windows Phone. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, and which means that. Um, s- Nothing theoretically uh, would prevent having Civilite run on mobile, right? And so that's also what we want to do as a, a kind of the modernization of Civilite with OpenSilver. And it already works right now. If you create an OpenSilver app, not only it works on Chrome, Firefox, Edge, and so on, but it also works on iOS and Android on the browsers, of course, or you can use Electron or another shell to deploy it as an app for the App Store or Google Play. So that begs the question, what doesn't work? Like how <laughs> is it, is it, you know, you think about media queries, like the, your CSS abilities mm-hmm. to re-render uh, a UI for a smaller form factor. Yeah. So the thing is, um, first of all, we wanted it to be backward compatible. So people mm-hmm. who have, um, like we are migrating apps that are, that have uh, 1 million lines of code. Um, and even more. And we want the result to be pixel perfect, identical, right? Because in the enterprise, uh, the desktop is still very widely oh, used. No, absolutely. Yeah, even though Sir, you want you mobile. You need to app. serve them first, without a doubt. Yeah. But sooner or later, they're going to come to you and say, my CTO or my CIO wants us to run on his iPad yeah, or his phone. Exactly. Now what? Exactly. So now the same app, which works exactly the same as in Civilite, uh, if you compile it with OpenSilver and run it, you can run it. In, uh, iPhone, on iPhone or Android phones, uh, immediately. Like it works right away. Right now, today, right. if you do it, it will work. However, it, the UI will not will, be. No, not work. Yeah. It will run. It will run. Now, it the will UI <laughs> will not the be adapted. It's not right? going to make you happy. Right. Yeah. So if you have an iPad, uh, it, it may be fine. I mean, depending on the apps, some apps that we are migrating, they work very, very well on, on the iPad, actually. Uh, and by the way, some companies also had touch screens back then and they used Civilite for, with touch screens. And uh, it was doable. Uh, yeah, some, some apps are actually perfect, uh, for, for the app, but some others mm-hmm. would need some improvements, like, especially if they rely on the hover, uh, events or, or stuff like that. Yeah. And now yeah. it's entirely possible for the developer to adapt the app 
to make it run on, on mobile, right? Basically, uh, you can reuse all the business logic as is, yep. like all the data access, the real services, uh, all this very powerful stuff, the WCF SOAP, uh, all the things that uh, are supported uh, right away with OpenSilver. You can reuse them and then ju- you can just change the UI. So maybe some controls you can reuse, some pages you may want to reimagine, right? You may yeah, want. Yeah, I wonder if you do this in the media query approach where it's like you leave the existing controls in place, mm-hmm. but then you're annotating to say, when the screen goes down to this width, mm-hmm. render this way. Like you're basically yeah. offering alternate rendering. Yeah. So we have started uh, implementing an OpenSilver as uh, extension methods or as external libraries mm-hmm. because we want we don't want to mess the original API. Well, you're, uh, and that's yeah. what you're hitting. Don't break <laughs> the code people have already written. Let them add code to it to add new capabilities. Mm. Right. So the core we want to focus 100% support for Solite. We don't want to add new stuff yet. Uh, on right. that code, but uh, on uh, as external libraries, we are, we are building stuff, and people can use, for example, the adaptive trigger, which comes from uh, UWP um, uh, evolution, which uh, is basically a, a very simple and effective syntax for XAML, which allows you to say if the screen resolution or if the size of this control becomes under a certain uh, number of right. pixels, then use this other layout. So instead of using a, a grid, you may want to switch to a stack panel, and it really resembles the CSS media element, but yeah, yeah. it stays in the XAML world. Yeah. And that, you know, Giovanni, here, and therein lies the point. Why is this not a migration tool? Because it's going beyond what the original product ever did, right? Right. I don't think the original product ever dealt with retina displays. Mm, right? Right. It's actually dealing with scaling properly. Like, then that's, those, these are modern problems now. We, ex, our users expected to work across all devices, expected to work on ultra high resolution displays, like, and we just got to figure that stuff out. So you solve those problems, dude, you're living in a new world. Like you've brought us another cross-platform stack. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, so there are many people who uh, do not want to learn new languages. Um, they know one technology very well, for example, and uh, especially the people who came from uh, the uh, C-sharp XAML world, so development mm-hmm. for Windows, uh, they will find OpenSilver extremely interesting for them. Familiar, yeah. Yeah, and with this uh, 1.0 release, which uh, which we just uh, shipped, uh, we now have a very uh, stable uh, development environment, which is uh, really great with project templates, so I really encourage people to uh, try it out. Even the people who have large applications and they would like us to migrate, you can still play with the technology and see. Uh, and I, I really believe that uh, people will find it very, very nice. So you just uh, create a new app and then you will see the exact same structure as a new Civilite app with the main page app. And then you have two entry points. One is the Blazor uh, kind of project, which runs, uh, which allows to compile it to WebAssembly and run in the browser. And it's just the entry point, right? Because all the, your files you're going to put in the .NET standard project. So we have this entry point, which we're going to maintain. And you can maintain yourself because it's a Blazor client-side entry point. So you, when there is a new .NET version that comes, you just update uh, that small entry point. And then we have another entry point, which is the simulator, which allows to debug in pure C-sharp using .NET framework or .NET core. And so basically your same C-sharp code, which you're using in the OpenSilver app in the browser, we're also going to allow you to run it in the context of the .NET framework or .NET Core, 
the same C sharp code so that you can leverage all the C sharp debugging uh, features of Visual Studio, which are really amazing, right? You can, for example, yeah. take the execution point and move it back to go back in time. You can type stuff in the immediate window, mm. all the things which you cannot necessarily do when you debug in the browser. You can do thanks to our simulator. All the stuff you're talking about that is voodoo, right? Like <laughs> it's so the UI is so good on that for us, the drag and execution point back. But if you actually understand compilers, what you're looking at when they do that is magic. Like that's insane that we keep we can do that. And that they've made it trivial for us that we just expect it to work. Yeah, absolutely. So um yeah, I really encourage people to uh get in touch also if uh, they would like to have a, a full migration by us. Um and uh we are also uh, hiring, so if people would like to join us, uh, please uh, get in touch as well. Yeah. Uh, and let's uh, work all together to, to bring back the glory of Civilite. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm wildly impressed with what you pulled off, Giovanni. Like, it was fun talking to you last year, and we were very hopeful for you. But here you are, you know, a year later, having done so much. Yeah, it's very Thank impressive. You. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very keep much. Keep up the good work and let us know how everything goes. Thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a